Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome to the Erin Chamberlick Show. I'm your host, the Real Food Revivalist, Erin Chamberlick, coming to you live from Nashville. This show is an educational and informative program, and we try to teach you about real food. Um, if you want to permanently lose that weight, gain amazing energy, and improve your health and reduce cravings. Well, you can visit iTunes to listen to over 90-some-odd previously recorded podcasts. And my last podcast was, um, I believe, July 30th, and my guest was Dr. Carrie Drizga. And we have um, asked Dr. Drizga to come back and um, have another show with us because the topic was so good and so helpful, and we only got through a few of the key points that are in her new book. The book is called Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. So welcome, Dr. Carey. Hi, Erin. Hi, Hi, all the listeners out there. Yeah, we're glad to have you back. And um, just for those who are um, maybe not with us on the previous podcast, we were talking about fatigue. You know, it's one of the most common complaints in doctors' offices. And it's also one of the most uh, poorly managed and misunderstood illnesses. So we are so fortunate to have Dr. Carey with us. Um, she has written the book on fatigue. And I do think everybody would enjoy reading this book. You can find it on my website, Recommended Resources, and my website is GetBetterWellness.com. So if you are sick and tired of being sick and tired or you're just plain fatigued, maybe you've already been to the doctor and they run the uh, standard tests and that's all that's been done for you. So we know so many people are battling fatigue. Um, and Dr. Carey, why you know, do you think um, that is the case? Why do we have so many people just dragging around tired and maybe not getting answers at the doctor's office? That's a great question, Erin. I think for some people, I think maybe they think that fatigue is normal and it's just a normal thing of life, and you just have to suck it up and live with it. And, and although fatigue is very common, common is not the same as normal. So I think that's part of the problem. And then when people, most of us, we lead such busy lives now. We have a lot of stress, especially as women. We have so much more stress than men. And I'm not just saying that. That has been researched and documented. All of that stress really wears on our bodies. It causes hormonal imbalance. We're not eating as well as we should be. Um, our food supply, you know, we get, we get food shipped in from South America, from all over the world, from Asia. And within our food supply, because our foods are picked so early, they're not ripe when they're picked, and so that means the the foods, the fruits and vegetables, they just don't have the abundance of vitamins and minerals that they should when something is grown locally or right in your backyard even. 
And then a lot of people, too, were not exercising like we should be. We kind of put exercise on the back burner because we just get so busy. So it's, it's all of these little things that start to add up into this mess. And for, for a lot of people, it manifests as fatigue. And then by the time they go to their doctor, the doctor usually, this is a story that I hear very often within my practice, the patients have gone to the doctor, have said, you know, I'm really tired. And unfortunately, sometimes the doctor doesn't take them seriously and just kind of shrugs it off. Smarter doctors, of course, they're going to investigate that. They'll run some basic blood work. And oftentimes, they're just checking for two things. They're checking to see, does my patient have anemia or does my patient have a thyroid problem? And Erin, unfortunately, most of the time, those tests come back as normal. And then the doctor kind of shrugs their shoulders, and they're not really sure where the fatigue is coming from. And they just say, well, all your tests are normal. Maybe you're starting a burnout. Maybe you need a vacation. I can give you an antidepressant if you want. (laughs) It's it's a very common story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're not um, a stranger to this scenario. In your book, you tell your story of, um, you know, you were a successful chiropractor and then decided to go back to school after 15 years um, to uh, do naturopathic school, and so of course major burnout, and and um, so it wasn't you didn't just need a big nap, did you? When you crashed and burned, um, you did take that big nap. So why don't you kind of just tell a little bit of your story and maybe some of the key uh, learnings that you found out about your own condition? Oh, Erin, I'd be happy to share my story. So. As, as you said, I was in practice for 15 years and decided to go back to school because I just wasn't 100% happy and fulfilled within my career. And so I went back to school to become a naturopathic doctor. This meant having to move from Canada to Chicago. And I would travel back and forth to see my patients at least once a month. And being in class, basically... To, to boil it all down, I was literally burning the candle at both ends, and I did that for two full years. And six months in is when the fatigue started. And, of course, I just chalked it all up to stress because of what I was doing. It was a lot of sleepless nights. It was a lot of late nights. I was eating on the go. And so I just chalked it up to stress, and, well, once I graduate, everything will be fine. So once graduation day came... I just thought, you know, all I need is to rest. I just need to get some good sleep, and I'll be back to normal in no time. And so what I did was I was was getting nine or ten hours of sleep every night, plus I was taking two-hour naps every day. And Aaron, I did that for about three months, and that did not fix my fatigue at all. And so that's when I knew, oh, there's, there's really something more here than just needing more sleep. And that's that's how I started on my fatigue journey, trying to figure out the, the underlying causes of my fatigue. So that's what I talk about in the book. Right. And, and so your book, you highlight eight fatigue factors, but there's probably a few more than that, I would imagine. But it's nice to know we can kind of tick off through these things with a good naturopathic doctor or holistic nutritionist and get some real help. So one of the things that I read in your story 
um, was there you tested for uh, chronic infections. Can you talk with me about how, you know, in your own life that played out, but also with, um, you know, your patients, how do you test for chronic infection and what do these things do to drain our bodies of energy? Oh, I'd be happy to explain that. So, so by chronic infections, what I mean is that you could have an underlying parasite infection in your body that's robbing you of nutrients and energy. You could have a, an overgrowth of bacteria, and actually that's very common. You could have an overgrowth of yeast also. So these, this is what I mean by having infections. So basically what happens is when we put our bodies under so much stress, it causes our immune system to get weak. And then the, the trickle-down effect can be that we develop an infection, usually in the intestines. So for our listeners out there, some of the key points to think about. If you've ever been on antibiotics, what the research is showing at this point is that one round of antibiotics can create chaos in your intestines for up to four years. And so I was thinking back on my life. When I was a teenager, I was on antibiotics for acne for years and didn't even think anything of it. So if, you've, if you have a history of antibiotics, for sure right there, you have some kind of imbalance of an infection in your intestines. And then another common cause for infections is using acid blockers, acid-blocking acid medications like proton pump inhibitors, See, what happens when we, when we um, weaken the acid content in the stomach, it makes it easier for critters to pass through when we eat. So, for example, let's say you eat a salad, and even let's say it's grown on an organic farm, you're eating this raw salad, the acid in your stomach should be strong enough so that any bacteria or yeast or parasite eggs gets killed within the stomach. So for any of the listeners out there, if you're on antacids, if you're on proton pump inhibitors, anything that's blocking your stomach acid because of heartburn or whatnot, that is going to create the perfect environment down in your intestines for uh, an imbalance an imbalance of bacteria or an imbalance so of yeast or even a parasite. specifically list some drugs so people can recognize that they might be um, in this category. That's Prilosec, Nexium. What are some other common medications? Prilosec and Nexium are the two most common medications, definitely. And then, okay. and then the third thing that can cause uh, an imbalance in the intestines is chronic use of painkillers. So for anybody out there that is using Tylenol or ibuprofen on a regular basis, and by regular basis, I would say more than once a week, and that could be for headaches, for migraines, for aches and pains in your joints, for arthritis, regularly using painkillers like that is also a big underlying cause of infections in the intestines. Okay, and, and and this is why people need help from, um, you know, functional practitioners like yourself because they're thinking, well, I have pain. I can't get off my Tylenol and ibuprofen, but um, 
we know that uh, we don't take those things and we know how to reduce the pain um, naturally and you know we can get into this in a little bit when we're talking maybe about your step two or part two of your book about the more practical applications but eating an anti-inflammatory diet and and last uh, time on our podcast we talked about vitamin D and how that nutrient alone, you know, can um, just change life for people in terms of energy and pain. Um, so I will just point people back to my website for I have quality D3 and olive oil and and some of the other nutrients that Dr. Carey and I discussed last time, including magnesium and. B12, um, probiotics, those are on my website. So check out that at, uh, at your leisure, getbetterwellness.com. So we have um, created a problem in our gut with uh, reducing the God-given stomach acid that is supposed to be there to digest our food, and then we get these chronic infections. So if you suspect that with somebody, what would be um, the symptoms besides fatigue that they have a chronic infection in their gut? Oh, that's a great question, Erin. Unfortunately, there there are no, um, like, classic symptoms. I mean, most patients that have come into my office, they've had fatigue going on for years. And when we go back in their history, as a matter of fact, I'll give you an example from a case that came in yesterday. This woman, her fatigue started in 2006, and I said, okay, wh- what about like the 6 to 12 months before that fatigue happened? Did anything happen in your life? Did you get sick? Did you have like a food poisoning or a really bad stomach flu? And she said, I had the worst food, food poisoning ever. And so food poisoning right there is, that's another, can be a trigger for fatigue. It's an infection that ends up in the intestines. So usually when we have an infection, it's just there going, you know, it's a low-grade infection. It doesn't want to create too much havoc in your body because these little critters, they're there to survive. So they don't want to be found out about. So they're always trying to fly under the radar. So a lot of the symptoms that patients can have are, can be, can be a variety of things, like they might have some gas, some bloating, they might have diarrhea or constipation. But not all the symptoms are related to the digestive tract, like they could have the fatigue or aches and pains in their muscles or joints. They might think it's arthritis, but it's really not. They might just be feeling like fogginess in their brain, not able to concentrate or remember things like they used to, just feeling like there's a haze in their brain, that's a, that's a clue that they might have an imbalance in their brain or in their intestines. And it could be that uh, they might have skin problems, so like there's a rash, you know why it's there, that can be a sign too that you have an underlying infection in your intestines. Okay, um, so just as a way of taking a break here, I didn't give your website or location information, um, and if people are thinking, okay, I need big help, and my doctor's not the one. How, can people work with you over the phone? Can you talk about that, where you're located, and your website, and that will be our 
our commercial break for the minute. <laughs> sure. So my website, I guess the easiest place to find me would be at uh, drcarrie.com. So that's www.drcarrie.com. And that's kind of my home base. That's where I have my, my uh, blog and my podcast. That's where you can find my book, and that's where you can get in touch with me personally if you're interested in becoming a patient. My practice is in Ottawa, Ontario, which is the capital of Canada. And in, if you're not local in my community, I, I would be happy if you're interested in becoming a patient to see you on Skype or by phone appointment. Okay, thank you. Um, so I just want to have you talk um, uh, briefly about the testing because a lot of people might think, well, I'll just go to my doctor and say, hey, test me. I want to know if I have a chronic infection. And unfortunately, as you said in your book, not all stool tests are the same, and you want to get um, a certain type of test. So can you tell people what the type of testing is that you do so they might try and get that from their physician? Sure. So, so the tests that I'm going to be talking about usually are not done by standard physicians. They would be done by holistic doctors, naturopathic doctors, and whatnot. Um, Doctor, Carrie, I can't so hear you. Stool, there you are. <laughs> so there's there's one stool test where where you'll uh, submit a, a, a little slide. You'll just take a little part of the stool, uh, smear it on a slide, and, and give that to the doctor. That's not the test that we're talking about. That's a fecal occult blood. That's basically looking for blood in the stool. A lot of people are familiar with that, but that's not the test that we're talking about here. We're talking about submitting a, a full stool sample. And oftentimes, um, from, from the standard labs, what they'll do is they'll have you submit just one sample, and it often comes back as normal, you know, not finding any parasites, not finding anything bad in there. And Aaron, the problem with that is, is it takes usually three or four stool samples in order to discover a parasite. They're not always in the stage where they're going to be shedding eggs into the stool. So just one stool sample will often come back as normal. So if you're looking at having yourself tested to see if you have an infection, a good test would be one that you would have to submit at least three or four different stool samples on different days, and an even better way to make sure that you're really getting a good sample is on the last sample you do a purge sample, which means you take a laxative like you could buy at the, at the pharmacy like you would if you were going to have a colonoscopy done to like really get things moving through, really force the parasites out. I, the stool sample that I use in my office, Erin, is a four-sample kit. And when it comes back as positive, it's usually only found in one out of the four samples. Okay, and then even if it comes back negative, that doesn't mean you are absent of parasites. It just means they didn't happen to get discovered, but you do increase your chances with that type of test, and you give even more information on how to increase the chances um, 
of detecting them, you know, in in the, in that even situation. Um, and then your that's book talks ex- yeah, about exactly right. breath testing for SIBO. Um, and I don't know if we really want to get into that, but I know some people are familiar with small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and there is a test for that. Um, is that something you commonly see that SIBO is becoming more prevalent? SIBO is very prevalent. So as you said, SIBO is small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. So when we think about the bacteria that should be living in our intestines, the good, friendly bacteria, the probiotics, that should all be living in your large intestine, in your colon. Now what we're talking about is small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. In your small intestine, there should be little to none of bacteria growing. And if there's bacteria growing in the small intestine, this is actually a very common cause of uh, irritable bowel syndrome, a very common underlying cause of fibromyalgia, and also fatigue. So as we were talking about before with the stool test, when we do a stool test, that's really just testing what's going on in the large intestine. In order to test what's going on in the small intestine, that requires a breath test. It's a lactulose breath test, which is basically you you drink this solution of lactulose, which tastes fine. The bacteria in the small intestine will break that down and produce gas, and that's what you breathe out when you do the, the lab kit You'll, you'll submit samples every 20 or 30 minutes over a course of two or three hours. And by, by the, the, the type of uh, gas that they find, either hydrogen gas or methane gas, they can tell what kind of bacteria are living in your small intestine, how bad of an infection it is, and, and then the recommendations after that. Some people really require antibiotics, whereas most people will do fine with uh, herbal treatments. Okay, very good. Now, um, let's see, we have about 10 minutes. So let's talk about fatigue factor number seven from your book, Hidden Food Allergies and Sensitivities. These are um, also prevalent, and I work with people all the time trying to help them figure out uh, what foods might be causing the problems. So can you first explain the differences between allergies and sensitivities? Absolutely. You know, we tend to use these, these uh, terms interchangeably, but, but really from a purely technical medical standpoint, an allergy is an IgE reaction, which is a specific part of your immune system. A true allergy if you think about, like for people, they'll, they'll eat a strawberry and they'll break out in hives immediately. That's a true IgE response. That's a true allergy. Or another example, uh, the person that eats a peanut and ends up with uh, swelling in their throat, an anaphylactic reaction, that's a true allergy. And so then the other thing is a sensitivity. This is a different part of the immune system. It's the IgG and the IgA arms of the immune system. Sensitivities are more low-grade. They, they don't happen immediately. Actually, they, the, the reaction can be delayed up to 72 hours, which makes it really tricky to try and figure out your sensitivities on your own. Um, Ig 
I, the IgE reaction, which is the food allergy test, um, usually getting tested for those kind of reactions, that's usually done by an allergist. Uh, the typical test is the skin uh, prick test. And the truth is the skin prick test is very bad at finding true food allergies. It's great at finding environmental allergies like allergies to pollen, dust, dog hair and whatnot, but not a good way of finding food allergies. An actual blood test would be better for finding food allergies. And then for finding food sensitivities, now this is a whole very controversial area because food sensitivity testing with the blood, there's, a, there's, not, there's not a lot of great... Um, uh, there's not a, a lot of accuracy to it. I was trying to struggling to find that word, accuracy. So we could take the same blood from the same person and mail it off to four different labs, and we wouldn't necessarily get the same results. So one of the problems with doing food sensitivity testing with the blood is that a lot of the, well, all of the labs will test your blood to foods that are in their raw form. And we don't always eat food in our raw form, like we never eat pork in its raw food form, we'll never eat chicken in its raw form. So, so right there, there's, there's a problem with the, the test. And actually the best, the best way to find your food sensitivities, and it's considered the gold standard, is to do an elimination diet, which is basically you eat a diet, a very clean diet for a period of time, and it could be a week, it could be three weeks. And then you slowly introduce, reintroduce the foods one at a time that you think you might be sensitive to. And you, you just wait and see if you have a reaction. So let's say the first day you, you introduce chicken to see if you have a reaction, and, it, and really it could be any reaction because, Aaron, the truth is food sensitivities can create any symptom of your, in your body, including fatigue. So the, the, most common, the most common food sensitivities are wheat, orange, eggs, tea, coffee, chocolate, milk, beef, corn, cane sugar, and yeast. So for the listeners out there, if you're curious if you have any food sensitivities, you could just try eliminating that list of foods from your diet for a period of time, let's say two weeks, and then slowly introducing them one at a time to see if it creates any chaos in your body or if it creates any symptoms in your body. So that's a little bit about food allergies and sensitivities. I have a lot more information in the, in the book, but I know that we're getting short on time, Erin. Yeah, yeah. We're just trying to highlight some um you know, of these fatigue factors, we want people to get your book. It's called Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again, uh, Fixing the Root Cause of Your Fatigue with Natural Treatments. So the title, I love it. It says it all. And um, you can find Dr. Carrie's information on her website, drcarrie.com. And the book, also, if you're not with paper and pencil and you're driving, then you can um, find it on my website, too, getbetterwellness.com. So there is only uh, maybe two minutes left, but I, I know that one of the biggest 
um, fatigue factors for you was a brain chemical imbalance. Obviously, we're not going to address this topic in two minutes, but can you say 30 seconds <laughs> about what is brain chemical imbalance? Uh, just what kind of you know, area are we exploring here? So basically, we're talking about the chemistry within the brain, the neurotransmitters, specifically serotonin and dopamine. And so when those two neurotransmitters are out of balance, they could both be low or one could be low. Actually, when either of them is low, that is a cause of fatigue. And for me, the main cause of my fatigue actually was all in my head. And, and for me, that was because those two neurotransmitters, serotonin and dopamine, were just out of balance. Yeah, and and so yes, fatigue could literally be all in your head, as you say in your book, meaning that your brain chemistry might be out of balance, causing your fatigue. So, um, Dr. Carey, I thank you for coming on the podcast again today, helping us find causes, fix <laughs> fix the problems, and people can feel normal again. Fatigue is not you know, written in the cards for you. Our bodies are meant to be um, self-healing and have great immune systems that can fight the latest, you know, bugs out there that worry people. You're not just getting old. Don't believe that lie. God has given us these amazing bodies, and we just need to support them nutritionally, fix the chronic infections, balance the brain chemistry, eat real food, exercise, breathe, sleep, all that good stuff. So thank you, Dr. Carey. I really appreciate you and your work, and um, I just encourage listeners to visit your website. Thanks, Erin. Thanks for having me back. It's been a pleasure. Okay, thank you, and have a great day, Dr. Carey and listeners. See you next time on this podcast at GetBetterWellness.com.